Luke 17, beginning in verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when, they saw, when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so they went, and they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back, and he praised God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Amen. It was Thanksgiving morning and I was sick. And not the dainty, manageable kind of sick. I was sick. There was so much still to be done. Supplies to gather, food to prepare, and an 18 pound turkey to roast. So my dear husband decided to enlist help. If he were smart, he would have just called his mother or his sister-in-law, but no, he called his brother Paul. Now let me just say, seeing the two of them in action is what made me understand why animals eat their young. Neither of them had any real experience in the kitchen. In fact, they had about as much business preparing a holiday dinner as I did playing linebacker in the NFL. The only meal I'd ever seen my husband prepare was a bowl of cereal. And Paul, well, <laughs> Paul had his own set of difficulties when it came to food prep. I'm not exactly sure what went on in the kitchen that day, but judging from the commotion, the laughter, and <laughs> one actual scream, I was pretty sure it was something I wasn't going to be thankful for. Good intentions can go a long way, but you need more than intentions to roast a turkey. On Thanksgiving, most of us stop and reflect on the tangible things we're thankful for. Our health, our family. However, on that Thanksgiving, I didn't have my health and I couldn't be with my family. I felt alone and somewhat forgotten. Then I remembered a time in the Bible when Moses felt alone. He wanted to see God to try and make sense of his circumstances. 
In turn, God said he would make his goodness pass right in front of him. And God's goodness was more than enough. I guess the trick is no matter what the circumstance you find yourself in on Thanksgiving, or any day, is to see God's goodness and to thank him for it. <laughs> oh, and by the way, that Thanksgiving may have ended up being the best one we've ever had. Thanks to the dinner being overcooked, undercooked, and in some parts raw, our family started the first annual Thanksgiving Leftovers food fight. Sure, it's silly and, and a whole lot of fun, but this tradition has become an annual reminder to our whole family that no matter how messy our lives get, we can still be thankful for God's goodness. <laughs> I've shown that one before, but I love that video. It is good, and it is a good reminder that ultimately we choose uh, the things that we can be grateful for. Uh, truth be told, the Lord's Word tells us in different places that we are to be giving thanks to Him in all things. That includes things that are difficult and understanding that that Romans 8.28 principle that we often refer to is that God works all things together for the good to those that love the Lord, those that are called according to his purpose. And that means not just those good things that we see as good in that moment, but those things which are hurtful or hard in those moments, but eventually become good later on when we see what they bring into our life. So as we just mentioned a few moments ago, as Eric was reading the scripture, yes, we are going to be talking once again from Luke chapter 17. And today uh, I'm doing something that I haven't, as often as I've preached and as long as I've been preaching, I haven't really had to do this before. But let me tell you exactly what happened. I'm going to pull back the curtain, okay? So last week I'm looking at my, at my notes and I'm literally about halfway done. This is embarrassing. Y'all pray for me. Okay. But I'm looking at my notes and I look at my watch and it's like five till when I'm normally done and I'm halfway point and I'm just like, oh man, <laughs> there's just absolutely no way. So can you guys just be, be thankful that I didn't try to fit it all in? I mean, we could still be there today, right now, be like, let's finish up now after we've been at this for seven days. No, I, I literally was just thinking, I can't do this. I can't do this to you guys. And so we're just going to put a pin in it and going to move on and come back to this next week. But I have... I've been blessed personally and been challenged a little bit by the things that I feel like I'm going to be sharing today, just very, very quickly. I'm going to give you a little bit of what we talked about last week, just a quick overview uh, in, in a way, and then kind of go into how we apply it. And so if you were not here last week, uh, we'll give you a little bit of an overview um, but we will keep moving quicker than we normally would. We normally would take a little bit more time to dive into God's word and go a little deeper. We did that last week. It took a little longer than I expected. And so that's what brought us to this point. So let's just share a little bit. We talked about this something to learn. Let's talk about our something to learn that is on this slide. 
Leprosy was a highly contagious skin disease, and therefore anyone who had it was made to live outside the community to make sure that it didn't spread. In many ways, those living in a leper's colony were close enough to see people enjoying the life that they could no longer have. And I shared with you last week that there was a law that required any person who was exhibiting the sign of leprosy to make sure that anyone who was approaching them, they had to literally call out at the top of their lungs, stop, I'm unclean. Don't come any closer, and they'd have to put their hand out and basically stop them in their tracks to not allow them to get any closer and and interact with them in any way. And so this is the group that Jesus comes in contact with. And rather than distancing themselves from Jesus, they start calling out to him and say, Jesus, please have mercy on us. And Jesus asks them to take a step of faith. What happens is... He literally tells them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And so what that was doing was they were literally following the law and doing what God had required. And that did not um, happen before they had already been, or they were cleansed. So in other words, Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest. They start going that direction with the leprosy still on their body. And yet while they are going, they find themselves to be clean as they are walking, as they're running, as they're going towards that priest that can declare them clean. And so Jesus asks them to take a step of faith. And in the process of that step of faith, as they approach him and as he declares them to be clean, nine of the ten keep going from that point and probably we can safely assume they go back to resume the life that they have wanted to live from the moment that leprosy was discovered on their body. You guys with me? Y'all, y'all, got, y'all got it so far? Okay, so here is what happens. There is one individual, and we talked about this last week, there is one individual in this group of 10 men that was a Samaritan. And in that time, the, the Samaritan was a man whose family and his history was intermingled with Jews and Gentile blood. And so this was a very big deal. It was a very big deal to those who were Jewish at that time that they be considered pure blood. You know, that they were, gen, uh, they were not Gentiles, but they were Jews. And so they took this level of pride in that. But the one person that turned around and came back and took time to make sure that he was uh, interacting with Jesus who had brought healing into his life was somebody that was being looked down on uh, him spiritually by the others that were in the leper colony with him. And isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting how tragedy brings us all to the same level no matter who and where we are? Can I get an amen, right? I mean, if you and I are facing something, it doesn't matter where the support is coming from. We grab onto any anybody who feels like family, and we ask them to help us because we know we can't make it on our own. And so in the process of all of this, the nine keep moving to their old life. The one who is supposed to be a guy who doesn't really care about God in the same way that we good people do, stopped, turned around, and came back and fell down at the feet of Jesus, praising him at the top of his lungs, to make sure that he knew how grateful he was for all that he had just experienced. This is all happening. This is all going on. And this is one of the best passages of Scripture 
that I can share with you about gratitude and what it needs to look like. And so I shared with you guys last week, if you want to go a little deeper, you can do that. You can look at a podcast from Andy Stanley. It's called um, the Your Move podcast. You can look at the one that's in um, November of 2021, I believe, and just simply look for the one that says give thanks. And this is something that can help you go a little deeper. But I want to notice a couple of things very quickly. I want to notice that Jesus calls out gratitude, and you can see that here as he speaks about the gratitude that this man has. He shares this. Let's go to our next slide. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Now watch this. Look at verse 17 real closely. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? So I want to put a pin in this and I want to take just a moment here. Because if you don't understand what Jesus is doing, he's actually playing on the, the, the racial divide and the ethnic divide in the middle of this group of people. He's saying, hold on just a second. I thought the Jews were the people that were supposed to love God and know how to act. And I thought that the Samaritans were the people that were not good people. But yet here I am and I've healed 10 people and there is one man who comes back. And who is it? It's the one that you have turned your back on. It's the one that you have said doesn't really love God like you do. How can you say these things? And he's trying to pull attention to the fact that here in the midst of it all, gratitude is coming forth from an unlikely source. And I want to just stop for just a second and share this. How many of you, let's, let's be honest, how many of you think that all 10 felt gratitude? Can I see your hands? I mean, just be honest. Do you, do you think all 10 of them felt gratitude? Every one of us think that, right? Yeah, they felt it. Let's stop again and think about who's saying what he's saying. It's Jesus. Do you remember how many times in the, in the word, Jesus says, I know what you're thinking. Are you asking among yourselves these questions? Or when he says, I knew you before you were even called while you were under the fig tree in John chapter 1. He knew things because of his connection with God and the fact that he was the son of God. So if he was able to understand people's hearts and understand their thoughts, he of all people in the entire world could have said to himself, it's good enough because I know how they felt. You guys with me? Y'all see where I'm going with this? Did he do that? Yes or no? On the count of three, ready? Tell me. Did he do it? Yes or no? Ready? One, two, three. No, he did not. He stopped everybody around him and he asked the question. He said, hey, where are all the other nine when he already knew? Why did they not take time when he already knew? But he pointed out that there is one man who took the time and he is going to receive the gratitude and the appreciation from me, the one who should be receiving the gratitude and appreciation. So here's what I would say to you and to me. Felt gratitude is decent, but it is not anywhere close to the same ballgame as expressed gratitude. Gratitude has to be expressed. It has to be expressed, not just merely felt. And for most of us, we think of gratitude and thankfulness as a feeling, not as an 
action. But the truth is, is that it's pretty clear according to what Jesus is doing here, what he's saying here, how he's calling it out and not just letting it slide by. He doesn't see gratitude that's felt the same way that he sees gratitude that is expressed. Now, if I can get a good amen, I'm ready to move on. Can I get a good amen? Amen? All right, yeah, y'all just want me to move on. That's fine. All right, so here we are. I've already expressed this. I've already talked a little bit about this. He insisted that gratitude should be expressed verbally. So two things I want us to notice very quickly. This is the first one. There is a way to express gratitude, and that is verbally. There is a way, and if we go back and we read this passage of Scripture that we can find both in John chapter 13 and John chapter 15, I want you to notice something that Jesus does. As we go here, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will everyone know that you are my, my disciples if you love one another. And I shared this with you a couple of weeks ago, that love is not a feeling, but that's something that we tend to say. You know, if I say, well, can you please define love? Most of us are like, quickly, you say, well, it's just this feeling that you, no, 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 you've already gotten off track. It's like the third word coming out of your mouth to define love, and you're already missing the boat. Because Jesus and God's word does not tell us how to feel. It tells us how to act even in the midst of our feelings. I'm going to say that one more time. God's word tells us how to act, not how to feel. And so it's so important for us to grasp and understand in the same way that love is commanded because it is an action and not a feeling. Look at this from 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine the audacity of God to say, give thanks in all circumstances? Now stop for a moment and think about that. What is he saying? Is he saying Throw a party when you lose your job. <laughs> no, he's not saying that. Do you, do you see? But he is requiring that we look at everything that comes into our life with the filter of God on it and not just simply a filter of the moment. For most of us, we would never give thanks in all circumstances, but we constantly say we want to know what God's will is. Here is God's will that you and I be people who have something negative that comes into our life and we have enough faith that we can say, I don't get it, I don't like it, it doesn't feel great in this moment, but here's what I know, that nothing that has come into my life has come into my life without God saying that he will bring something good from it, that he will bring something good from it, that he will gain glory in some way, shape, or form. And so for that, I am grateful. That's hard to say. Can I get an amen on that as well? I mean, that's hard. But what is God asking? Not that we feel great about everything, but that we react in gratitude in the midst of difficult circumstances anyway. So very quickly, let's talk about this as well. Don't miss this. We read into the silence of others, and most often we read into it as if they feel contempt, not as if they feel content. There's an old, old, old joke, and all right, I'm going to tell this very old joke, and it's kind of corny more than it's funny, but there is a man who got divorce papers from his wife, and his wife said, I'm done with you. I'm done with this. This is never the life that I wanted to live, and she's like, you're, you're a humble farmer, and you're a good man, but I don't even know where I stand with you. 
Like, how in the world can I know? As a matter of fact, we've been married 20 years. I've borne you three children. And here I stand, literally, the last time you said that you loved me was on our wedding day. I haven't heard that you love me in 20 years. And the man said, well, darling, I'm a man of my word. And here's what I think. I hadn't changed my mind in the last 20 years, so I figured it just stood without me saying so. Pretty goofy, pretty corny. What is she doing that we do? She's reading contempt into silence, not contentment into silence. Let me ask you a question. Would any of you guys be honest enough to say that when you don't hear from someone or when you think you should have heard from someone or they should have reached out or something and they don't, you read contempt and not content into that? Can, can, can we all agree on that? So when Jesus calls out the nine that didn't turn around, He's reminding us that sometimes when something so wonderful has been given to us, the silence is not enough. It's not okay to just let the silence go by. But instead, we have to say, you know what? No, this is too important. This is too much a part of who I am. This is affecting my life too much. I am grateful for what God has done in my life. We can't read contempt into a gushing gratitude that comes out on a regular basis. So important that we become proactive and make sure that doesn't happen. The second thing to notice very quickly is here. There is a best time to express gratitude before diminishing returns. All right, now this is where I like to get really crazy and say something that just, of course, it's so obvious, but let's be very clear if you received a car from your parents when you turned 16, it's not okay to wait until you're 20 to say thanks. Can I get an amen on that? Any parent that have ever bought a car for your kid? Four years later is not okay. No, I'm really grateful. It's like, yeah, you should have been really grateful enough to say something four years ago when I gave you the keys. Can I get an amen from my parents in the house, right? All right, thousands of dollars, you be grateful, right? So there is a diminishing return. There is a diminishing return when we keep the, the gratitude inside. So very quickly, let's go to our big idea. It's the same as last week, and I want to talk a little bit about that. But here's the big idea. People gravitate towards gratitude. People gravitate towards gratitude. And I just want to say it's not even a decision, it's a response. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that in just a moment. But would you guys say the big idea with me on the count of three, ready, one, two, three. People gravitate towards gratitude. You can just stop right there. So here's what I'm saying by it's not even a decision, it's a response. And this is why it is so incredibly important. If you're trying to reach your kids, they have family that they know and have been loving for all of these years, but they're still looking for something. They're looking for acceptance. They're looking for that appreciation, that gratitude. There's an attitude of, hey, I'm glad you're here that we express. Now, I'm just going to be honest, and my, my oldest daughter is here with us today. Tori, it's good to have you. But uh, baby, close your ears for just a moment. You know, when I was raising three teenage daughters all at one time in my house, it wasn't always gratitude from Pastor Randy towards his kids. It wasn't always like that. Now, a lot of the time it was, but sometimes it was 
not exactly coming across. It's not that I never felt that or didn't ever express it, but in moments, and sometimes when they were struggling to find their footing, they were rough to get along with, and I in turn met that with being rough to get along with. I know I'm the only one, so y'all pray for me. None of y'all have ever done that, right? But here's the truth. People gravitate towards gratitude, And so if there is a bridge that needs to be built between me and my children, guess guess what? I'm not going to wait on them to do it. I'm going to do it. And the way that I'm going to build that bridge is I'm going to do it by expressing how grateful I am for them being in my life. I'm going to tell them how proud I am of them. I'm going to tell them that I love them. I'm going to tell them that they're a gift from God. And I'm going to tell them that I'm so glad that they're in my life. Not because it's cheaper, (laughs) but because it is a blessing, period. And I'd give away every dime I had to make sure I had them in my life. You tell them that stuff, you have their heart a whole lot closer to you than it's ever been. But if they read contempt rolling off of you and nothing but frustration coming from you and all of these things are constantly happening, I'm telling you, people gravitate towards gratitude and they don't even stop to think about it. It just happens. And so when you see them gravitating towards their friends and listening to their counsel more than yours, I promise you what's happened is they're getting more of an appreciation from their friends than they're hearing from you. So don't let that happen because you can use this as a thing that will change and flip the script for you, or you can fight and rage and battle against it and tell me why it doesn't matter and why it shouldn't be this way. But I'm just here to tell you that most of us do the reaction and do not take the time to make the decision and make the right one in the midst of it. You guys understand what I'm saying? And let's go even further. I'll go even further. Let's go to our next slide. And I could go on and on and on, but I talked about how this plays out. It's compliments, it's kindness, it's attitude, it's forgiveness, it's for friends, it's for coworkers, it's for bosses. I promise you, if you want to get on the good side of your boss, go and tell him how grateful you are for the job that he has allowed you to have and keep and tell him that you're grateful for that and appreciate the fact that you have that in a time where it's not always easy to have or keep a job. But I'm going to go really deep here real quickly. Compliments from your spouse, that gratitude, That thing of gratitude for your spouse, man, your spouse needs to hear that and they are going to start gravitating towards others that are not you if you are not being faithful to be a person who gives them that compliment and shows them the gratitude of who they are. And can I tell you something? I'm just going to call this out. I'm just going to make sure you hear what I'm saying. The truth is, is that a lot of the time, inappropriate relationships get started because of this reason alone, that they're getting gratitude from one person when they're not getting it at home. I want to make sure that my wife hears that she's beautiful, that I love her, that I'm happy for her to be her, not for her to fit into my schedule or my agenda or any of that stuff. If she hears that from me, she's going to start gravitating towards me If she does not, then somebody else gives that. Guess where she's going to start moving towards almost automatically before she even has a chance to make the decision. Wait, wait, wait. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go that way. I don't want to have that happen. This is how things get really crazy at work, online, on and on and on. 
So, yeah, I guess I'm meddling a little bit, but I'm telling you, man, this is something that's so important for you guys to hear. This is how gravitating towards gratitude plays out. Just make sure you're using it in your favor and not in the things that will hurt you. Let's keep moving. Okay. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. If you do not feel gratitude, here is what God's word says you should do. You should start sowing it more and more and more and more. And if you do not feel like somebody is grateful for you, start sowing it into your or to their life and see how it turns around. And according to God's law, that is just like gravity. It comes back to you. A man will reap what he sows. A woman will reap what she sows. Make sure that you're sowing gratitude and watch how it comes back to you. All right, very quickly, there's a couple of enemies of gratitude. I want to talk about it, and then I want to get real practical on how we can show and make gratitude a part of our lives. First of all, expectations of receiving something is the enemy of gratitude. I've done this a hundred times, so I won't go too deep on it. But can I just tell you that the expectation of receiving something that you expect to get, when you get it, you don't feel grateful. It's more like relief. How many guys have ever had a time in your, maybe your employment where you got a, a Christmas bonus and a Christmas bonus and a Christmas bonus and a Christmas bonus and four or five years in a row and it's always the same Christmas bonus every year and now instead of using that as, hey, found money, guess what? That's what you're gonna use for Christmas presents, Right? And so you're expecting to get that Christmas bonus on December 24th, 25th, something like that. You've already put everything on the card because you needed stuff under the tree and in the presents and all that. And then you get the word that you are not going to receive a Christmas bonus. You're devastated. You're hurt. You're, you're, you're shattered. Why? Because you had an expectation of something that didn't come. Now, let me go even deeper. Let's say your Christmas bonus has been $500. All right. Some of y'all are like, I can never get by on a Christmas bonus of 500. Some of you are all like, bless me like that. That sounds great. Wherever you find yourself, that's fine. But just for a nice round number, it's $500. And this is money outside your salary. And then this year, instead of $500, you get a Christmas bonus of $200, money over and above your salary. All right. Now I just hit you with some truth serum. How many of you are still upset even though? <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? You had a blessing that wasn't the blessing you expected and now you're frustrated. So even something that is a blessing can be turned into something that does not feel like a blessing because of your expectation. Do you hear where I'm coming from? This is so important and this is so valuable for us. If we always expect things to go perfectly, we will always be disappointed. If we always expect somebody else to act exactly as we would, we will always be disappointed. And you can have a bitter life that develops because you are constantly having people fall short of your expectations. And that is something that you have to decide if that's fair or right or something you want to live with for the rest of your life. All right, enemies of giving gratitude. Let's go to our next slide. Assumptions about other people's understanding. We've already talked a little bit about that. We already talked about how I assume that you know that, you, that you're still the one that I love 20 years later, that whole thing, right? So we gotta be very careful that we don't just simply assume that other people know. Let's go to our next slide. 
And I want to talk about this very quickly. You may or may not have ever heard of this book, but it's kind of a, a getting things done is like a classic book. And I want to talk about it, and I want to share something that's very powerful. Here's what he says in this book. Anything that does not belong where it is, the way that it is, is an open loop, which will be pulling on your attention if it's not appropriately managed. Let's say it one more time, and then let's talk about what that means. Anything that does not belong where it is, the way it is, is an open loop, which will be pulling on your attention if it is not appropriately managed. All right. Let's do some true confession good for the soul. How many of you in here are OCD a little bit? You know what I'm talking about? A little OCD. Yeah, don't raise her hand. Don't grab her hand and raise it. That's not fair. Good thing you're on the back row, Scott Young. Here's what I would say. <laughs> we had this happen the other day at my parents' house. You know how stuff is like laying around and, and their knickknacks and stuff like that? And let's just say at the, the knickknack area in my parents' house, it was like this. It's supposed to be like this. Sorry, podcast people, be here. All right, so here's what I'm saying. It's supposed to be like this. I won't call my family member's name, but he married in. Um, and so I'll just say, I've got one son-in-law. Anyway, he saw it, it was like this. And so guess what he did? He walked by, he was like, you know, looking around and just, oh. Guess what his friend did to him? <laughs> Went back, he saw what he did, and he was like, oh yeah, let's just move that back like it's not supposed to be and see how long it takes for him to circle back and come back to that thing. Now, any of y'all feel a little weird about this whole thing already because you're like, you're seeing you in this whole situation. Like, you know how panicked you get. You're like, what are we doing with our lives? You know, I mean, this knickknack is off. It's supposed to be facing 12 o'clock and it's 1030. What are we doing? You know, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, so he goes back and he does it again, never realizing that he, you know, Mitch is my guy. I just want y'all to know Mitch is my guy. But it was just funny that people were poking at him because they knew that he's just like that, right? There is an element to all of us that is like that. And if something isn't quite right, if something's not quite right, it bothers us. And it's a low-level thing. How many of you know, sometimes you got low-level stuff going on in your mind that you can't get clear and you don't even realize it? How many of y'all went to college and had a term paper that was a low-level issue until you finally the night before it was due, decided to tackle that, you could not believe the way that you felt the next day. You're like, I've been putting this off. Why in the world did I put it off? And then that one semester where you got really good, <laughs> y'all look up here. Some of y'all looking at your kid. You look up here. Here's what I would say. That one year where you actually did it the right way, like you got it done a month before and you're like, I feel free. Is it spring break? You know, it's just crazy how our mind has an open loop that drives us a little nuts. So now here's where I apply what I'm saying. Those nine who ran the other direction. And by the way, Jesus didn't have a Facebook page or an IG page to reconnect with him later. He might have always been gone. They may have missed their chance forever to say thank you. They missed their chance in that moment to say it when it would have been the most powerful and not had the diminishing returns. But let's stop for a moment. If you know somebody's done something good for you and you leave it open like we talked about last week, there's something in your mind that has not closed that loop. And so there's this underlying tension in your mind that you can't pinpoint, but you know 
Well, you know, things aren't really great with him. And I'm going to see, oh, what's her name from Thanksgiving last year. And, you know, we kind of left it on bad terms. And I could have and I should have and I meant to, but I never did make that right. And so now I've got this kind of feeling about going and celebrating Thanksgiving with that person. Do y'all see where I'm, where I'm going here? Y'all see what I'm saying? This is what we do instead of just simply expressing the gratitude that we feel. We need to go a little further and just say, you know what? If I want to be a person who lives according to the life of God and, and, and the things that he's sharing with us, I need to be a person who gives gratitude, period, and that's important. Now, very quickly, a third enemy of gratitude I want to share with you is busyness in our own lives and minds. And I'm just going to say this and keep moving just simply because I don't want to take too much time. But I'm going to tell you that you can be a person who has nothing on your schedule and have a stressful day. Can I get an amen? How many of y'all have been there? Why? Because your mind is absolutely chock full of stuff that those open loops And those open emotional loops and those open to-do lists that you'd never really got done. And you don't have anything that you're doing, but you're full in your head. And you can't get any sense of peace, not because your schedule is jam-packed, but because your head is. And for most of us, it's just like these nine that ran off. We have this perceived level of busyness, like we can't simply take a moment and turn around and go back and be grateful to somebody. And we're missing our best life because the truth is, is that if we can be faithful to actually express verbally that feeling of gratitude, not only does it bless them, not only does it sow a seed and let that come back and be a blessing to us later, but it gives glory and honor to God. Because we cease to be people who act like we are deserving or that we're owed this stuff. And you would be shocked at how many people will begin to gravitate towards you because we gravitate towards gratitude instead of withdrawing whenever we cease to feel it. Very quickly, uh, (laughs) all right, all right, I told you guys, uh, let me very quickly talk about this. Have we all been there where you got a new credit card in the mail and you use it for the very first time? Have you all had that experience where you're like, and I am always, I'm like Mr. Proactive about it because nobody ever wants to pretend that they don't have enough money to cover everything they want to cover. All right, we're, we're, we're pretending a lot of the time. I get it. But have you ever swiped a credit card and been like, what are we going to have here? Can we just all admit we've been there at least once, right? Or you ever threw your card down on the, on the, um, like the bill and then been like, let's see what happens. They bring it back. Uh, here's your charge. And you're like, really? Oh, okay, great. It went through. Is it just me? I went to college. I don't know if you guys, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like when you don't have any money or whatsoever and they give you a credit card anyway, which I wonder about that. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. That swipe and it's accepted or it's what? Don't, don't say the D word. Don't say the D word. The declined. Oh, declined. Mm. Yeah. Your worth is declined. Here's the thing. I think it's so important for us to grasp and this feeling of ah, that is out there whenever we are not giving gratitude where it is due. 
there are people in your life that are literally day by day by day going through their life with that feeling of unease around you because you have not expressed gratitude to them. Because we've already talked about how silence feels like contempt and not contentment. And so in the process of all of it, they've got that uneasy feeling like, I think it's accepted, but I'm not sure. I think mom loves me, but maybe not today. I think dad is proud of me, but I haven't heard it in a long time. You see how this goes? And so as we go down the list of the people that we love, are we expressing that gratitude toward them? Are we taking them off of that fence? Are we taking them out of that purgatory of waiting to see how our feelings and whether or not it's like accepted or the D word, declined. All right, I'm not gonna go too much further down this road, but I do have to share this. This is called Use Gratitude to Counter Stress and Uncertainty. This is from the Harvard Business Review, and this is something that came out in the midst of the pandemic in October uh, 2020. And so, yeah, it is October 20, 2020. So I got that right. Here's what it says, and it talks a little bit about the uncertainty, but can I just share something with you? And I'm I'm not in any way trying to call out the younger generation. I want to be very clear about something. Part of what happens whenever you get a few of these gray hairs and a whole lot more of these gray hairs, as these things happen, you realize things will be done a certain way. My kids just closed on their very first house and they, God bless their hearts, thought that the date that they were told that it would close on would be the date that they actually closed on. How many of you know that's not true, right? You've closed the house before. And it's like, no, probably a week, maybe two, maybe four, and then you'll close that house. That's how it goes. It's just the way that it is. They were worried that they didn't close on that date. Why? Because they'd never closed on a house before. When you're dealing with young people, they do not have the perspective that we have. They're worried and panicked on a different level. And if you just say, oh, I just get over it, it'll be fine. That's not taking into consideration that they have not lived decades and decades like a lot of us have. And they're worried because they don't know what's yet to come. Their frame of reference is even shorter sometimes because you don't remember the first six or seven or 10 years of your life. You remember things, but not the way of the world and the way things work and all that stuff. So give them some grace and understand that they probably need to hear some things that are going to feel a little foundational in their life. Not because they're silly or childish, but because they don't have decades of experience of going through life and realizing you're not going to close on that closing date that just never really happens. And this president or that president or this politician or that politician Things are not going to change dramatically in huge ways constantly. It's going to be okay. Why? Because it's always been okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to make it through this. Here in the midst of this, using gratitude to counter stress and uncertainty from Christopher Littlefield. Listen to this. Taking care of our mental health during a pandemic is not easy. And since the outbreak began, we've all been feeling, understandably, a lot more stressed. One study found that 57% of people are experiencing greater anxiety, and 53 of us consider ourselves to be emotionally exhausted. Now, 
I know as things are opening back up, things are changing, but this gives you a perspective. It says, these kinds of emotions tend to arise when we lose some form of stability in our life. And right now, we just don't know what comes next. So living in a constant state of uncertainty can feel like running a race with no finish line, completing a puzzle without a reference picture. Everything seems unclear and the worst seems possible. Of course, this is not a fun state of mind to be in. So what can we possibly do to uh, minimize the impact of uncertainty in our well-being? While it may not address the entirety of it, research shows that gratitude helps balance us out. This is the Harvard Business Review, not... Christianity today. Gratitude is an emotion that grounds us and is a great way to balance out the negative mindset that uncertainty engenders. And then he goes on, he says, when we express gratitude, our brain releases dopamine and serotonin, two hormones that make us feel lighter and happier inside. How many of you guys have had that experience? When you're grateful, it just feels lighter and you can't really explain it, but it is. If we want to take care of our minds during this time, understand how to trigger this feeling. It's an important tool that we can have at our disposal. And it goes on and on, and I won't keep reading. But I'm telling you, this isn't just biblical. This is scientific, and it is important. You and I, as we express gratitude out loud, it changes our lives. Now, very quickly, how can we live gratitude? There's two things that I want to talk about. We release the hold on gratitude. I already talked about the hold on the credit card and all that stuff. We release the hold on gratitude. Here is how you do that. You release the hold on gratitude towards others by living by this motto. If gratitude comes to my mind, it comes out of my mouth. If gratitude comes to my mind, guess what? It comes out of my mouth. Now listen, you're going to be tempted to say, well... They don't necessarily deserve that kind of praise, at least not all the time. I don't know about you, but I like to receive praise as often as I possibly can. Can I hear an amen on that? I know I'm shallow and I know I'm thirsty. I get it, all right? But still, go right ahead. It doesn't bother me, right? And we all feel the same, don't we? Like, I I don't want to wake up and wonder hey, I got a brand new haircut. Y'all, I talked about this last week. Somebody says, new haircut? And you go, yeah. And they go, huh. How many of y'all know that you may as well slap them across the face because there's an open spot for gratitude? Hey, looks good. A compliment, a connection. You leave that loop unclosed and it's a problem. So if it's praise that comes into my head, then it also comes out of my mouth. Have you ever been sitting there looking and watching your kids do something and just think, man, I'm proud of that kid. And then you don't say it. Why in the world wouldn't you say it? I have three daughters that are all living in a different part of the country, going to school or living a new part of their life. Oldest and youngest in school, middle one starting a church in Oklahoma City. I'm super proud of all of them. I have to pick up the phone to tell them that I'm proud of them these days. I don't run across them in my kitchen anymore. And I have told people a thousand times something that a friend of mine named Tim Donahue used to tell me all the time. He'd always look at me and say, don't blink because they will be gone before you know it. I'm here to tell you don't blink. They will be gone before you know it. 
And then it will be a whole lot harder for you to reach out and tell them those good things that you feel about them. So if it comes into your mind from one dad to another, from one dad to another parent, from a, a granddad to be to whoever, on and on and on. If it comes to your mind and it's praise, let it come out of your mouth. Release that hold and give them that thing that draws them to you instead of withdrawing them from you. All right, very quickly. Okay, a, sh- a shift in mindset very quick. Yeah, let's just stay, just stay there, Colin, please, thank you. Act upon the 80% and not the 20%. All right, <clears throat> now, very quickly, I'm drawing this to a close. Act on the 80 and not the 20. How many of you know that there are people in your life that are putting a lot of really, really, really good things in your life and you are not paying attention to the 80% that you love that they're doing for you, but you're focusing on the 20% that they are not quite hitting the mark? Can I get an amen on that? Can I get an amen? Let's be honest. Like those of you who see something on your IG or your, or your Facebook or whatever, and you get 40 people saying something great, and one person says something just a tiny bit wrong, and you focus on that one person, not on the 40. Can I get an amen? So that's us. That's all of us. So here's what I would say. Anytime you find yourself gravitating towards the frustrating 20, you intentionally make a pivot, and you start praising and being grateful for the things that they're doing in 80% of that interaction that you actually genuinely, really hardcore appreciate what they're doing. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? So when you feel that 20, it's your cue, it's your cue to kick in, to praise them and act upon the 80 that you already know that they're doing rather than acting towards the 20. Because for most of us, our tendency is to focus on and eventually act upon the 20 never mentioning the other 80 except for when we're telling them why we're frustrated about the 20. You know, you do a lot of good things in my life. I mean, a lot. Like, you do this, and you do this, and you do this, but, you know, this is the thing that I really don't like. We've disregarded the 80, focused on the 20, and ruined something that is good in our life. When you feel the 20 pulling you down the wrong road, it is your decision to turn and pivot and intentionally make a decision make a decision to go towards praising them and acting upon the 80. It's a shift in mindset. Paul talks about this with the Corinthians. And if you don't know the Corinthians, they were folks that were living the wildest, craziest, strangest life of all of the New Testament churches. But Paul wrote a letter to them, and here's what he said. I thank God for you. (laughs) I thank my God for you. Not because they were great people and they had it all figured out and because everything in their life brought him a lot of joy. But he said, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. He loved them for what they were, not focusing on what they were not. I want to come back very quickly, and we're going to end this very quickly, but Jesus calls out that gratitude. Why did he do that? I want to make a recommendation to you and see if you agree. I think the reason he called it out is because sometimes we, who are close followers of Christ, have a tendency to be people who make assumptions, 
have expectations, and sometimes we are in the nine that leave and cease to be the one who turned back and said thanks. So for us, I would say, be very careful that you are in the, not in the nine, but the one that turns around, makes time, and comes back and expresses gratitude every chance you get. Because I think he called it out for us, not just them, not just those who are nearby, but for us, to be reminded that we sometimes, who follow him closely, are not as grateful as we should be. Very quickly, I want to apply this in two ways. Very quickly. Release the hold on gratitude. That's the first thing you begin to do. If it comes to my mind, what? What happens? It comes out my mouth. And then you act on the 80, not the 20. Anytime you feel that 80 setting in, you begin to act on the 80% that is good in your life, not the 20% that is a little frustrating. And I left two blanks at the bottom. I think there's more than enough to do just in those one and two. But I left those two blanks because I have a feeling that if you know what I'm talking about with the release, the hold on gratitude, you probably have somebody in mind whose name could go in that line. And you probably have acted on the 20 more often than on the 80. And when that's happened, I think their name could go in that second line. Because ultimately, this is the way we live gratitude, not something that we feel, but something that we express and something that we express enough to be a change in their life, in my life and in my world. As I reap what I sow and as I sow constant gratitude rather than something else. Great video I want to share with you. Uh, and then they'll lead us in one last song as we close together. Today I lift my eyes to the heavens and count my blessings. I think of all my needs that were met today. The clothes on my back. A place to lie down tonight. Nothing miraculous or earth-shattering. Just the small things that help keep me going day after day. Thank you, God. I have food on my table. Health to get me through the day. Good memories I've shared. All the beauty that makes life special. Thank you, God. I'm blessed by what I can see and touch. What I can feel in the moment. But Lord, you transcend feelings and moments. You sacrificed your life so that I could see beyond what's under my feet and over my head. <sighs> Thank you, God. That kind of love keeps my heart free. During seasons where peace is hard to come by. Even when I can't see or touch a blessing. I know I can close my eyes and say, thank you, God. I've, I've lost a lot this year. Things I worked hard for. Dreams I was sure were going to come true. People I never wanted to say goodbye to. I walked a hard path of trial and pain and despair but I never walked it alone even now I can say thank you God because no matter what is set before me dark valleys or green pastures goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and when this life is over I'll dwell with you in your house forever so I just want to stop and tell you 
Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.